Hello, everyone. Welcome to part two of the March edition of the Luton Town Supports Trust podcast. Uh, me and James, um, for this second part of the podcast, I should just say if Spotify is your thing with regards to podcasts and you're listening to us through uh, some other place, uh, you can actually get us on Spotify now. We are live uh, there. Just um, search for LTST podcast and you'll get all of the episodes of this podcast right throughout time. Uh, as well as this one so uh, if spotify is your podcast provider um listen to us on there from well from now forever more um if you missed the first part of the podcast well where have you been we've reflected on chelsea we've reflected on fantastic run of games that luton have had uh, we've discussed snodgrass and palmer coming in and we've also uh, well we've really enjoyed the performances of Murray Bell and Tom Lockyer. And in this part of the podcast, we're going to reflect on another guy who's come back in Alan Sheehan. We're going to solve the three midfielders that Nathan Jones uh, best midfielders at his disposal. Going to talk about the promotion chances now. I'll remind you of uh, what James said uh, a bit later in the podcast. And then we'll look ahead to three games between now and the international break. Now three huge games, so we'll preview those before we round off the end of this podcast. James, I think when Alan Sheehan left this football club, I said to you, he is definitely coming back at some point. I thought he might come back as a Luton manager. I may well be proved right on that down the line. But he's back at the moment as, I think his official title is first team coach, but he's almost set piece coach, isn't he? And um, my God, what an impact he's having. Before Alan Sheehan came back to the football club, Luton scored three goals from set pieces this season, the latest of which was the Cal Naismith cross to Sonny Bradley at Blackpool. Uh, the other two, one of them was a cup game, so whether that even counts, uh, I'm not sure. But since then, we scored seven goals from set pieces. And I'm only talking the first cross in. I'm not talking about a ball that's headed away and recycled or anything like that. The first ball in uh, that Luton have got on the end of seven times in, well, what's basically seven weeks, isn't it? An awful lot of games in those seven weeks, but seven weeks nonetheless. This is not a coincidence, I suspect. Clearly not. No, that's what we've been brought in to do. Uh, all the players that I've spoken to when we've talked about set pieces have said, you know, he focuses on them, he knows a lot about them, really works at them, and clearly showing dividends. I mean, it, it showed. It seemed to show dividends from the very first game since he was he came in as coach. And James Breeze crossing and set plays became so much more effective and even James Bree spoke about it how, he, how she and told him not to try and get so much on the ball clip it a little bit more and so he stopped it in the first man with the regularity that he had which was so frustrating and he's got all these assists now and then um, uh, obviously got Cal Naismith on the other side of the pitch to take the other um, corners which Seems like it seems like should have been so simple to to grasp that because he can whip him in with that foot. But um, yeah, it's it, it's we all know what he was like when he was playing. Um, you know, his last goal was at Cardiff when he whipped it in the top corner with his left peg, and he always felt that Luton got a free kick anywhere around the sort of 20 yard mark outside the box that that was she in territory and that he'd have a good shout. So uh, you don't get to that sort of state without practicing and being very good at them, which he was. Um, but to be able to impart that knowledge is another thing as well, I, I think, because obviously he's, 
and he said this when he first came back and we, we spoke to him that um, I think somebody mentioned him in reference to Cal Naismith uh, and he was saying well obviously Cal Naismith is playing at a higher level than I ever did so uh, he's got to firstly impart that knowledge to players that some of the players he used to play with <laughs> the other players have been at consistently higher level than him but he's a very affable bloke very nice bloke uh, funny bloke as well uh, but he he does know his stuff whenever you talk to him uh, you can have a blooming long conversation about football technology and he knows his stuff um, so to bring him back was a fairly shrewd move shrewd move among many shrewd moves that this uh, football club make really uh, but I it doesn't surprise me really when everybody talks about his set plays and how he's sort of specialised in that because I, I I just think that there probably is a is a, a market's the wrong word, but I'm going to use the market for that in football. I mean, Liverpool have got a throwing coach, <laughs> you know. Um, so it, why why not? You get so many set pieces a game most of the time. A lot of them are wasted. Why not have a coach that specialises in that and can get you the results, which is what he seemingly has done. You know, Luton couldn't have even fathomed that sort of move down in the lower leagues, down in the conference, no way. But, you know, if you're going to succeed and go up, there's these little sort of marginal gains that you can that you can work on to, to, to make your side better and get the results and help that effect of punching above your weight, then... Why not? Why not have a set piece coach? I'm not saying that Luton should go and get a throwing coach, <laughs> but um, if you can and it helps the club, which it clearly is, then why the hell not? I, I think it, you know he's first team coach as well, and he's coming, uh, and that means Chris Cohen can do a bit more instead of doing everything in in that role, which is you know a good move as well for him because he's obviously come in uh, and is, is really assisting Nathan and, and Mick very well. Um, so it, it lightens that load, spreads it out a little bit. Um, I think, I think uh, yeah, like you, I thought it would have, he'd come back at some stage and he'd be this quick, to be honest. Um, but the fact that he's been put out in front of the us media guys after the Coventry game uh shows the sort of trust that, that Nathan has in him anyway. Um, so I, I don't think that you're far off thinking that one day he might be a manager. Whether he's a little manager, I don't know, but I think that's probably where it's heading. Yeah, he'll definitely be a manager. He is um, he's a really knowledgeable guy about the game of football. He's a great guy, like you say. Um, you, can, you can talk to him. He's so approachable. He's such a good guy. And it's really, it's no surprise to me that our form has picked up alarmingly since he since he came back because the guy's a winner isn't he if you think back to when he was a player you know he, he was often fairly low after a defeat and fairly high after a, a win you know what was the phrase uh full full duck no dinner or something something yeah. like that something like that wasn't it along those lines and um, you know since he's come back the form has been absolutely great and like you say a lot of that's probably that chris cohen can now structure his coaching 
individually to um, certain areas as well. But set pieces are such a big part of the game, aren't they? If you think of England's World Cup run in the World Cup uh, in 2018, they made that primarily on set pieces. You know, mm. they scored an awful lot of goals from set pieces. They probably did similar uh, in the Euros um, last year as well. It's it's a massive part of the game of football. So if you're able to score from set pieces and not concede from them, chances are you're going to win more than you lose. And hey, presto, Luton are winning an awful lot more than what we're losing. Yeah, I, I don't know why it sort of went out of fashion, really. Uh, maybe it's the, um, the international f- flavours that have come into English football over the years and, uh, and maybe they don't put as much importance on it. I don't know. I don't watch enough football from other countries or know about the footballing culture over there but maybe it's that you know football goes through these different cycles and you're in the Pep Guardiola era aren't you of possession possession and trying to play pretty football to get through defences and um, not everybody could do that you know sometimes you've got to play to your strength and it was maybe it was seen as a very old-fashioned English thing that set pieces you know get some big fellas up there and and try and get get a goal, but this is the English. This is the English second tier. I know there's got lots of nationalities playing there, but it's very much more of a of an English style of football than it than, than the you know, top echelons of the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I like to sit here, and they've got players that can do it now. They've got they've got tall players, but they've got players that can head the ball really well, like. Dan Potts when he comes in you've just got to see the Chelsea golf for Reese Burke but yeah maybe maybe Premier League teams like that weren't expecting that I mean there's a lot of factors that go into that goal maybe they caught them off guard maybe they weren't expecting that maybe they don't sort of train for that sort of possibility I'm sure they do but it was a towering header anyway um but to get to the point where you've you sent it back to rising up uh, as high as they are and scoring with a head like that, your deliveries have got to be spot on. And they, they weren't at the start of the season. But it doesn't even seem to be a thing anymore, does it? I don't see I don't people moaning about it anymore. And that's probably the, the biggest compliment you can give these areas is when they're constantly being brought up in the pub or on social media after games. Don't hear it anymore. No, you really don't. Um, Breezy's really picked up in that regard. Like you say, getting Naismith on the other side, I mean, that's you know, that's Sheehan all over, isn't it? It's almost like Sheehan's back taking those corners and just winged them in right under the crossbar and go and attack that sort of thing. And he- obviously, uh, Henry Lansbury's every bit as good as well. And Luke Berry showed with that cross for Reesburg against um, Coventry that he's got decent delivery in him. And he also, of course, Elliot Thorpe set Reesburg up at Cambridge as well. So, there's an awful lot of set-piece takers all of a sudden, and they're all different types of goals from these set-pieces as well. The front poster, Therese Burke, Tom Lockyer scored from the back stick against Bristol City, um, Jerome in the middle of the goal against West Brom. They're all different types of goals, and they all add up. And at the end of the season, if we're in the playoffs or wherever we may be, we'll come to that in a minute, uh, these set-pieces are going um, to have a huge say on where we finish. Um, yeah, so great to have Sheehan back. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, he's, it's always good to have good people at our football club and he's a very good person so uh, I'm absolutely delighted with that and the fact that he's doing fantastic work with these set pieces and in general uh, can only be a good thing 
uh, what can also only be a good thing, James, is the central midfield options Nathan Jones has got to pick mm-hmm. from. Now, I'm going to ask James for his best three because generally we play 3-5-2 stroke 5-3-2 depending on where you see those full-backs stroke wing-backs. But for the purpose of this, I'm going to leave Carlos Mendes Gomez out of the equation only because he's still relatively raw as a loop player. And Admiral Musque is going in the attacking set, which we will cover in the next podcast. So central midfielders that we have at the football club are Gay Bosho, Pelirada Campanzu, Henry Lansbury, Alan Campbell, Luke Berry and Jordan Clark. Pick me three, James. Oh, man. It's going to regret this, isn't I? Next month when they all are brilliant. <laughs> I should just say, whilst you're thinking, I should just say, we will have Danny Hilton in the attacking spot next time round. Yes, I know he's played in midfield at Stoke and he played it absolutely perfectly. And yes, I know he was a little bit deeper when he came on against um, Derby as well. But we'll have Danny where he's traditionally known as Luton fans. We'll have him in the attacker slot next month. We will go with these six for the three central midfield roles. <clears throat> okay. First one nailed on Alan Campbell. Uh, because he has been a breath of fresh air since he came in. He's absolutely relentless. He chases down um, defenders and, and defensive midfielders, doesn't give them a moment's peace. Uh, he harries around them. Uh, he, he links play up really well as well. And now he's discovered that he can score goals from absolutely anywhere. So um, when he's not on the team sheet, I'm disappointed because I just really love watching him play. So, Alan Campbell, number one. Um, I'm going to say Pelly. I'm going to say Pelly, Rodham, Panzu. When he's on form, um, he adds so much steel to Luton's midfield. He's up and down. Um, and I, I think he gets far too much undue criticism really you know I'm not saying that he's perfect when he is bad and he has an off day it's really noticeable because his passing isn't there and his touch ends up in his second touch of the tackle that sort of thing but since um, the turn of the year I think he's been absolutely fantastic there's a little period out with injury isn't he but um, you know getting rave reviews last night in Coventry captain on the side um he is he is he's Mr Luton really isn't he uh, I, I don't think people give him that that um, credit much but he is he's he's been with Luton through all the good times that have happened since since getting up from the conference uh, and getting up from the conference as well so uh, the only thing I wish he added more to his game was goals because <laughs> uh, he, he you know, everybody talks about Penny's bangers, but he maybe gets one of those a season, two of those a season. The rest of the time, he's shanking them into the corner flag. But, um, you know, this season, that's not, that doesn't matter anymore uh, because there were plenty of other, teams, other, other players uh, getting the goals, uh, Alan Campbell being one of them as well in the midfield. So, um, yeah, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves sometimes. And so, Paddy, number two. And the third one. <laughs> the third one. Do you know what? I know he hasn't been seen a lot recently, but hopefully that will change towards the end of the season. But I'm going to go Jordan Clark. 
I he he has the ability to run a game of football. Um, and as somebody that didn't even see himself as a central midfielder and came as a winger. Um, and he's played everywhere, hasn't he? Right back, uh, wing back, right wing, number 10 sometimes. I'm sure he has played there. Um, but his ability to get his foot on the ball and have some space and pick a pass through the lines of opposition and midfielders and defenders is a real talent that doesn't matter if he's discovered it late in life, but you've got it. And it just shows that you don't have to be a big hulking brute of a player, a six foot six player to get around the midfield in the championship and be effective. Um, I think he's class on the ball. And uh, he, he, um, he can really... It's just his ability with the ball. I think he can pick a pass and he gets Luton playing and he's front footed and he's positive and he's hard working as well. So you probably don't see him running around as much as Alan Campbell because he's such a Duracell bunny, but he does. Um, and I think it's testament again to Luton's ability to spot a player. Uh, I, I don't think that his. Um, his stats didn't lie. He was up there with one of the, you know, the best in European when he was in Accrington for assists. Uh, but he's a very humble, down-to-earth bloke who just wants to play football and work hard. Um, and there's no pretense about it other than that. So it, it, he's perfect for, for Luton. Really fits the bill for how Luton have to be and want to be. Uh, it's just a good honest player, and not only sometimes you say that it's a good honest player, and that's sort of seen as a, sort of um, <laughs> that down to faint praise. But I mean, he's a good honest player as well as the talent he's got on the ball and his ability to um, run run the show from midfield. So uh, Jordan Clark, Jordan Clark, Alan Campbell, Paddy Radical Fancy, and I hate that question because I also want to see Fan Emery Lansbury play. <laughs> Uh, all the time as well because I think he's great in the ball well I think the great thing about it and for, before Robert Snodgrass Mrs Snodgrass or anyone else comes out as we've just not seen enough of Robert Snodgrass for him to be in this conversation that's not to say if we have this conversation again in a month's time he will not be in the conversation he may well be in the conversation but we're just purely going with what we've seen with our own eyes so far I think the great thing about it James is you've picked out your three midfielders there so if I flip around and I have the other three midfielders I'm not saying I have but if I do, and I've got Gay Bosho, Henry Lansbury and Luke Berry, I'm not really disappointed that I've got those three in midfield. I'm quite happy. That's not, not to say that they're better yeah. than the three that you've chosen or even the best three option. But if you if you turn up to a team, to, to a game, and the team sheet comes out and they're your three central midfielders, you're not that pissed off, really. No, not at all. I mean, even when you say it there, I'm thinking Bosho's had a fabulous season, really. Um, and it's only going to get better. You know, you're a defender. Now they're, they're crafting him into a defensive midfielder. I think if you ask this question this time next year, it might be a different scenario when it comes to Osho. But yeah, they've got they've got well, as it showed it, all these players out injured, all the midfielders they've had out injured, and they still picked up results because the people that can come in 
aren't just there to fill a hole and do a job. They can play as well or near enough as well and uh, affect the game. So, yeah, it's a really tricky one. I think when we have the attacker one, it's going to be tricky as well because the players there and I respect them a lot, but I think with only two spots or you're going to give us three spots, then um, that'd be a bit more of an easy choice, I think. Yeah, we'll leave you hanging on that one because we'll do that uh, next month. We might even have Tony there, so we might get even more disagreements. Um, what's, what's, about, your t- what's your three? Yeah. I can't, get, can't let you get away with that. You dishing out your three. Yeah, no, for the record, your three are my three. Uh, purely and simply on athleticism. Think if you're going to be in this town midfield now, you have to be athletic. You have to be box to box. You have to carry the ball. You have to drive with the ball. You have to open the ball. Uh, sorry, open the pitch up for the attacking players. And all three of them are capable of doing that. But they're also equally capable of getting their foot in on the edge of the box and nicking the ball away from a player and um, stopping attacks as as effectively as they are at creating attacks. You're absolutely right with what you say about Pelly. The thing about Pelly is he's prepared to take a risk wherever it is in the pitch. He's prepared to take a risk to enhance the position of the team in the game. And okay, you probably, your heart goes into your mouth when he does it on the edge of the box. But if he gets mm-hmm. past that risk, then, you know, all of a sudden the town are on the attack. And, you know, we know that as a counter-attacking side, we're, we're a mighty fine side. I mean, Alan Campbell, you've only got to watch the bloke play. He is relentless. He knackers me out with just watching the bloke, let alone actually being in that body and living that kind of 90 minutes that he runs. And Jordan Clark, how can you not love Jordan Clark? You've got to love Jordan Clark. Like you said, down to earth. Um, just you know, just enjoys the game of football, just enjoys being a footballer, doesn't he? Doesn't care where he's putting the team, he'll play and he will play. Yeah, you know, and, and last night at Coventry, <laughs> he ghosted past the central midfielder that was up against him. He must have done him three times. It's like Roadrunner. The Coyote <laughs> saw him, but there was no way he could get anywhere near him. Roadrunner had just gone straight past him. It was it was fantastic. But the thing about Jordan Clark as well, he goes past midfielders, but there's an end product to him. If you think back earlier on in the season, Alan Campbell never had the problem of going past the midfielder, but he didn't have either the confidence or the ability, whichever one it was, to then have that end product. He's got it now. Mm-hmm. And my God, yeah. has he got it now. But Jordan Clark's always had that. He's always had that kind of, he's kind of had the the wide skills of Harry Cornick, but also the central midfield skills of, you know, uh, the, of the central midfielder as well. And like you, like you intimated, um, he was unsure when Nathan Jones said, about going into central midfield. I asked him about that when we had him on the podcast earlier on in the season, where, again, he just showed how down to earth he was. And, um, yeah, brilliant. And and fair play to Nathan Jones, actually, for converting him from where he was into that central midfielder. He's seen it. So, yeah, your three are my three, mate. So, if next month we're looking at a different three completely, (laughs) then we've both got it completely and utterly wrong. But like I say, if if you give me the other three... I'm not that disappointed, I must admit. I, like you, um, really like, really enjoy watching Henry, Henry Lansbury play because when the ball's at his feet, something's going to happen. And of course, Luke Berry's come with us all the way through the divisions and Osho is a rising star. Maybe right now, though, he's probably best in defence, but time will tell on that one. Now, I'm going to embarrass you again, James. That's easy because, done, mate. Because last <laughs> month on the podcast, uh, you know, yeah. dreams of the playoffs, but probably not quite going to get there. Yeah. One week later, you boarded the promotion train. I noticed that in your <laughs> um, takeaways. In fact, not one week later. Yeah, sorry, one week later in your programme notes that you did 
for the Derby game. You were all aboard the promotion train. I'm yeah. pretty sure you're still aboard the promotion train. No longer a dream. Is it a reality? Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it, I, I, I referenced it in that, um, that piece because, you know, I did on the last podcast say, um, don't be disappointed if it doesn't happen and, and maybe it's too soon and, only time we really tell on that. Who knows? But let's let's just enjoy it. It's been such a great month. It's been such a great 2022 for football for Luton. Oh, you know, who knows if you know? Every time there's been success in this club in the last ten years, I've, we've always said to each other, "Enjoy it now," because you never know when it happen again. Luckily, the next thing comes along quite quickly, and something good happens. And long may that continue. But I think you've always got to do that in football because you never know. And this is such a fantastic achievement they're doing that they've done already to to be in the playoff picture now. Results went people's way. They've got a game in hand on some. Uh, they've got to play their rivals as well. Why not dream? Why not dare's a dream? You know, I was of the opinion that. Maybe it's too soon to go up to the Premier League, but when is really a good time to go up to the Premier League? It's going to be hard. But the way that this club goes about everything, really, you can't single out one thing. It's everything that seems to be like thought about to the nth detail. Plans for this, A, B, C and plan. A, B and C plans for everything. And, um, you know, I think Gary Sweet was on a, the athletic football podcast saying that you know they'll they'll be ready if they went up. So they've, they've obviously thought about it, and why not? Because they've been public about. It. They don't go back. They don't go public about anything they're not sure of. And Gary Sweet's been in council chambers on Facebook Live things regards power court situation, saying that the dreams the dream is a Premier League, and we will. It's it's, it's when not if. And I thought the when would be when they got in that stadium. But wouldn't it be fantastic <laughs> to have all these top-class Premier League players come into Kenilworth Road and their fans moaning about having to walk through somebody's garden? Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Some sense off to, uh, to Kenilworth Road. So why not? Um, yeah, I'm fully aboard the train, all aboard. Um, who knows where it goes, but let's enjoy it. Well, I mean, let's look at the league table. There's 11 games left, but before we go on to what could be achieved. Let's look at some of the sides that are trailing little, little old Luton in this league, who is supposedly playoff rivals. QPR, we'll obviously come on to that uh, in a moment, but QPR, Middlesbrough, okay, maybe Millwall, Nottingham Forest, Coventry, Preston, West Brom and Stoke. These are all massive, either current football clubs or historical football clubs in the sense of um, Forest and Preston. And one of those probably still is massive when you look at what they're doing in the FA Cup and things. And of course, Sheffield United are only level on points with us and above us on goal difference. And even Blackburn, one point above us and we've got a game in hand of them. These are massive football clubs that we're contending with, but these are massive football clubs that we're more than holding our own against. And actually, half of them, three quarters of them are chasing us rather than us chasing them. It's an incredible thing to be, an incredible position to be in when, you know, as I referenced in your sort of, um, on your website when I did a column about this this very thing the other week, it's still a week away from where we sit right now, eight years ago that Mark Cullen scored that equaliser at Cambridge. 
And now we're sat in the playoffs, 11 games away from potentially playing for a Premier League place. And actually, everyone's talking about the playoffs. But whilst Bournemouth are dicking about with their form, we're only five points off the automatic promotion here. Now, that is that may be a stretch too far, but five points doesn't take an awful lot of catching in this league. You can do that in a week with the, with the time that the games come around. It's just incredible. It is. It's a fabulous achievement, and that's why I've just thrown caution to the wind. I think it... it I think what I was, what I was saying that last month on the last podcast was that I think they can get the players. I'm not sure if they're ready to go up. But, you know, Norwich romp the division, they go up, they get battered every week, they come back down. Or Brentford, uh, you know, went up and, and they're, they're okay. Maybe, it, who, who knows what the winning formula is, but he won't know until the try. So, um, it, it'll be wonderful to be in the shake-up. It'll be wonderful to get to Wembley. It'll be wonderful to end Luton's playoff hoodoo. And it'll be wonderful to watch Premier League football at Kenworth Road. And while that's a possibility, why not? Let's, let's have it. It's too soon to go up. Great's my gears like there is nothing that's grated my gears before. What's the worst that can happen if we go up? If we get if we get done ten nil every game in the Premier League and we get relegated, we're not going to outspend our means. We're not going to come down and it all fall apart because that's not what this team do. We'll still have the parachute payments. We'll have however much you get going up into the Premier League these days. It's I think it's now reported two hundred million, isn't it? There is no bad comes from it. Eight and a half years ago, we were losing at Braintree. We were losing against Hyde. We were losing to some places that I needed to get the Ordnance Survey maps up to show what show me where the bloody hell they are. Whereas next season, we could be going and losing 10 at Man City. I couldn't care less if we lose every single game next season. We've gone from the from one Premier League, the Blue Square Premier League, or whatever the hell it was called, to the real Premier League in such a short space of time. And, you know, nothing nothing about logic or the supposed football in rule book says it can happen. But this football club doesn't apply logic. It doesn't apply rule books. It takes all of that stuff, it rips it out and it says we're going to do it our way. And that's why I think we've got every chance, you know. No one thinks, even now, where we are, you look at the bookmakers' odds, we're still the ninth favourites to be promoted from this league, even though we're sixth mm-hmm. in the league and fourth best on XG and all of that. No one thinks Luton are going to make the playoffs. And that's a fantastic place to be in. You guys keep thinking that we're not going to make the playoffs. We'll keep showing that we are, because every single time we have one of these players on this podcast, they all say our aim is the top six. And they're not scared of that, you know. It's mm-hmm. not like... It's not like they're coming out and saying, well, we just need to be cautious. But yeah, we'd like to get in the top six, but I don't want you to get your hopes up too much. Oh, no, get your hopes up. We're aiming for the top six. That's our aim. If we don't get the top six, there'll be a tinge of disappointment. It's just ridiculous to even think that there'll be a tinge of disappointment. But that's that's where we're at. And it's it's fantastic. I mean, if you'd said to me eight years ago, you're going to be, you're 11 games out in the championship. I'd have said, well, first of all, you're bonkers. But then you mm-hmm. You're sixth in the championship. You're ahead of all these great clubs. You're playing fantastic football. We're so good to watch. Even when we're not playing well, we're still pretty good to watch. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, dear God, if you've not boarded the promotion train yet, get yourself a <laughs> ticket and enjoy the ride because these are going to be 11 fantastic occasions. And um, just who knows, you know, does the season finish at Wembley Stadium? And if it does, my God, 
some memories of us in that place. Yeah, there is. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of short-termism in football, isn't it? You look at the last result, you look at the result coming, really. But you've hit the nail on the head there about what if Luton went up. You've got to look at the bigger picture. This club could this club could not have not currently exist. I mean, it would do in some form, wouldn't it? But you'd be fighting to get up like Wimbledon did up through the Ryman League and whatever. Um, the fact that this club exists, the fact that the club survived, the fact that it's gone on such a such a march in the last five years to get to this place and to even be in with a shout is just unheard of. I don't know. I'm guessing, but I, I, I imagine there's there's been no team that's come up from the conference that has got near the Premier League. It just doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen in this day and age. And, um, yeah. It'd be kind of... Um, <laughs> it's, it's a nice, neat uh, finish in 2022 if Luton gets to the Premier League, having got knocked out of the possibility of being in the Premier League in 1992. <laughs> We love little round number as well, wouldn't it? Um, you know, they were there, founding founding members of it, and never played in it. Uh, so, why not be positive and be optimistic? You know, have a go uh, and see who you can get. At the very least, even if you don't, you still will have progressed from last season. And then, with the mantra that they're always trying to progress, then you should be looking at playoffs again next season, and always being around that mark if you if you still happen to be in the championship and that it's what you want. You want to be up there fighting for it. It's exciting. We don't, you know, mid-table was great last season. We were all over the moon, weren't we? But um, to be with the last few games, the last 10 games, you still have something to play for. Wow. That's great. That's great stuff. Yeah, it's brilliant. And that's an, actually, that's a really important point that you just make because if we don't make the playoffs or we get, or we get in the playoffs and we don't win the playoffs, our house isn't going to crumble. But there are some of those teams that I've just read out, you know. They put all their eggs in that basket. And if they yeah. don't, as so Derby did, didn't they? And now look at them. Um, yeah. This, this, this club is is resilient. Uh, and that's, you know, I don't know if that's a sexy enough word for most football fans, but it's a bloody important word. Yeah, absolutely. And when you tell the people at this club that they can't do something, they take it personally. Yes, we can. And we're going to show you. And we've been told all season you can't make the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe, just maybe we can. But 11, uh, I hate the cliche, but it's 11 cup finals coming up. It's it's 11 enjoyable events. Let's go to each one. Let's embrace it. And um, who knows? I mean, April could be quite some ride. That is for sure. But support at Coventry last night was terrific. If we get 11 more of them, absolutely can't wait. Let's preview the first three of those games then James Sunday my god we just had one decent occasion against West London opposition down at Kenworth Road uh, we've probably got a bigger one on Sunday QPR at a side right right below us in the table now one point below us We so we win we go four points above them that's significant in itself because there's only ten games left they would have to win two more games than us um, to overtake us because we've got them covered on goal difference um, it is massive on Sunday isn't it and better still We've got to be in our bonnet because we probably should have beat them down there and we didn't beat them down there and um, we've got a point to prove. Absolutely. Um, 
you know what? It's a great. It's, it's a great opportunity. They've got one win in eight games uh, off the back of two defeats. Uh, the record against QPR isn't particularly glowing. Um, can't, can't even think of the last time Luton won a game against them. Must be back in. Well, it's a long time ago because I was racking my brains last night after the last time Luton went into a game with QPR ahead of them in the league, and I can't think of when it is. And we're probably going back equally as far for the last time we beat them. 2006. Last time in the league. 2006. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would wager we weren't even ahead of them then because we were in the decline then, weren't we? So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a long time since we've played Queen's Park Rangers higher than them in the league table. And um, whatever happens on Saturday before we play on Sunday, we will be higher than QPR in the table. And like I say, if we win and put a four point gap between us, that is significant, regardless of their form and ours. Yeah, it's extremely significant this close to well, I'm going into the final quarter of the season. Yeah, it is. I, I really fancy this one, um, and I never, I never really do against Rangers. They seem to have just the, the edge over Luton, but their form's not great. Luton's form is, um, and uh, it's always a rowdy atmosphere against them. There's, there is a, like a bit of a edge against QPR, isn't there? Uh, and there probably will be again, even more so this this time around, considering what happened outside the, the stadium last season. Scenes uh, of uh, which we really, 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 really hope are not replicated on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. I I'm not yeah. saying. I'm just no, saying. No, no. Keep, keep no, your yeah. ferocity for yeah. on Let the terraces it be intimidating and yeah. inside the ground, but not outside the ground. Don't do anything silly because what happened outside the QPR's ground was bang out of order and um, devastating for. Um, uh, for, for that fan that um, got hospitalised, so we don't want we don't want that. I'm not saying that, I'd, but make it no, no, hell no, on, yeah. make Kenilworth Road hell on earth for them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, right we're way. unbeaten. We're unbeaten at home in the league um, in 2022. But to be fair, we haven't always played well at home, but we're still winning games, and that's. That's important. It's another one of these games where we referenced in the last podcast, QPR will have more of the ball, but we're fine with that. We enjoy that. Um, who knows? Andre Gray might even turn up on this occasion and that will fire the crowd into um, a little bit of an added frenzy, should he be seen. That's for sure. Yeah. It's just... Uh, yeah, definitely. It's just a game. It's just a massive game. I mean, it's a massive game. Sky ain't stupid, are they? They're not televising it just for a Sunday jolly up. They know it's a big game in the in the overall picture of the, of the season. And if we can get that win off the back of the Coventry win, you know, there are teams around us on Saturday that are playing each other. So yes, some might will go above us or pull a little bit clear of us, but we will obviously go, we will obviously respond to the ones that don't pick up points in those games. And you win and our position is, I mean, we've just spoken about how strong our position is just then. It gets even stronger if we win on Sunday. It really does. Yeah, big time. It's a massive, massive game. Um, in the, the scope of the the playoff race in a kind of way that, that Middlesbrough was, but they got away with it because of the results. This is a massive chance to put some daylight uh, between Rangers and keep the pressure on the, the, the teams above. Um, but it, it's also one of those 
one of these ones where they've not won against them for so long, and that's happened a few times this season, where you've just broken that 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 run. And um, I fancy him to do it this this weekend. Yeah, I think Kenilworth Road will be at its finest on Sunday afternoon. It's always at its finest under floodlights, and it's under floodlights next Wednesday evening. Preston are kind of they kind of like a bad smell that you can't get rid of in this playoff race. You know, they're, they're probably like us. They probably shouldn't be there, but they are there. But they are comfortably far enough back from us at the present time that we've got them at arm's length and we can pretty much finish them off in terms of catching us if we can beat them at our place. Generally, don't go too well up there, do we? And generally, down here, it's always a draw and it's always late on. I can remember that Callum McManaman late equaliser shortly after um, football restarted and, um, and all that. I know we did win up there. Uh, first season back in the league, but um, if if we can win that, just like the QPR game, it just it pretty much finishes them off in terms of catching us. Yeah, that's all you got to do: try and chalk these uh, these games and these teams off the list of uh, potential rivals. And if you keep doing that all the way to the end of the season, then we'll know we've been a good shout. I just I just think that at home. I'm so confident at the moment about what they're doing. Um, and given what you've said about, you know, 11 Cup finals, I think everybody knows the significance of it. I think it's going to be rowdy. Uh, it, it is most of the time. It's not all the time, you know. I, wanna, I think sometimes it isn't, let's be honest. But um, for this, I think it will be. Midweek record, 10 wins, three draws, zero defeats. It's just fantastic, isn't it? I mean, when you think that first two seasons in the Championship, we've kind of struggled in games two and three of a week. We're not struggling in game two no more. And I know a lot of that was the emphasis that Nathan Jones puts on games in hand. And this isn't a game in hand. This is a fixture that everyone plays on either Tuesday or Wednesday. But we haven't had 13 games in hand. So, you know, the, the record is still legitimate. It's... It's a crazy record, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, but it's well deserved. It's, it's not. It's not there by fluke. By any stretch of the imagination, they are so so hard to beat at home. And if they get their noses in front, I just fancy it. I just, uh, I just see victory coming whenever that goal is scored. So um, yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, definitely, completely agree. Slightly worried that there's only three days between games, but I mean, we're used to that now, aren't we? I, I swear to God, it feels like one game finishes and another game starts uh, in recent times. The international break comes, but it doesn't come before we go to Hull City. If you're a season ticket holder, by the way, and you've not seen this, you can get another ticket as a season ticket holder. You can get another ticket for two quid. So, you know, obviously, if you know another season ticket holder, get his ticket for you and you can both get him for 29 quid, uh, 14.50 each. So it's a great way of um, cutting the cost of what's been a pretty costly time to be a Luton fan at the minute with all these away games and long journeys and things like that that we're doing. So just on that, well done to hold to extending that to the away fans. I don't think they had to, but they've done it. So credit to their new owners for that. Uh, but that's all the credit we're going to give them because that's a game we need to win, really. You can't slip up against those kind of sides that are getting into the position in this league table now whereby the beach is looking very, very um, on the horizon. Oh, yeah, I think Hull are safe, aren't they? What, they're 37 points, Derby on 24. Um, they're safe. Um, but 
yeah, the, the, the teams at the bottom half now, apart from Birmingham, <laughs> uh, the ones that I, um, it, it, you've got to have a, a level of expectation that says that we'll win those. But recent performances against Hull um, suggest that they will. Yeah, obviously the key game against Hull of any recent time was when Kazenga popped up two, three, four minutes from the end, however close to the end it was, behind closed doors, penultimate game of the season, took the great escape down to the wire and we all know what happened then and we've all known what happened since then. Obviously they've gone down the division and they've come back up to them, so credit for them for doing that. Uh, Reese Burke plays against his old club, he goes back to Hull for the first time in that game. I don't think he played in the home game against them um, from memory. So um, he might be in for a dodgy reception. I don't know. Obviously, they've got George Monker, who's definitely not going to get a dodgy reception. He's very much part of where we are right now. But um, but, but, but came on as a sub in that game. Came on as a sub. I reckon yeah. he'll be up for that game, though, Reese Burke. He strikes me as a kind of bloke who uh, wants to progress in his career and he'll want to make sure that He'll prove that he made the right decision there on that day, even though the league table tells you that he has done. Oh, and his own personal performances as well tells you has done. Um, yeah, he's he, he's kicked on from Hull. Um, yeah, it'd be a little bit of symbolism, but I think Luton are a better team than Hull, so um, victory, please. Yeah, absolutely. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. They've done that ticket pricing. It's absolutely fantastic. Let's hope we take well over a thousand up there for uh, for that game. It's the last game for two weeks. Send the boys into the international break. Well, my God, that they need that international break with the amount of football they've played recently. Um, in style, my wallet needs it. Let alone their um, <laughs> energy, their energy levels. It's just been relentless uh, recently. But I'm not complaining. I'd much rather have lots of these kind of meaningful games than uh, last season where I couldn't go and watch a game of football whether I wanted to or not. It's um, it's absolutely fantastic. What's an acceptable return this week, James? I mean, obviously the dream's nine points, but what's acceptable from from two tough games in a game that you'd like to think we can win? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I think nine. I think they'll get nine. There you go. Fair enough. I'll be quite happy, though, if we draw on Saturday, sorry, draw on Sunday so that QPR don't gain ground on us. And then win the other two. I can't see us being in any worse of a position than what we are right now. So I'd kind of settle for that. But hell, if I get nine points. I'd say, I'd, yeah, I'd settle for seven, but I think nine. Yeah. yeah. If we get nine points, I'm already on the promotion train. I'm upgrading the ticket to first class. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, usually we would finish off the podcast with a community um, sort of chat and things. There isn't a great deal of community stuff going on, actually, at the moment. So we're we're not going to do that this time. But we do have a very special guest in the pipeline. And when that special guest comes along, we will reveal quite why we've not touched on the community in this podcast. Uh, All will be revealed on that. We're also hopefully going to have a player on the podcast before that whole City game. I am treading with a bit of caution, though, because I'm aware that we play the night before uh, against Preston. We usually do the podcast on a Thursday during the press day. Um, don't, I'm not sure if there is a press day for that uh, I think a lot of it could depend on injury situations and everything like that but all being well we will try and get a player uh, before Hull if we don't then I'm assured that we'll get it first week of the international break so we will have a player on the podcast between now and the end of the month I cannot confirm which one it is purely because of the injury situation we'll just take whichever player is available at that time and as I say 
We're hoping to get a very, very, very special guest on the podcast during the international break as well. And when we come back, we'll do a full April podcast before the next get uh, before the international break ends. We'll do that ahead of the Millwall game, where hopefully Tony will join us. But for now, that's it for this podcast. James, thanks for your thoughts as ever. Thanks for uh, recollecting some great occasions that we've had. Looking forward to some that hopefully to come. And just really good to do, to talk about so much great things that's happening with our club right now. You've got to appreciate the good times, uh, Kev, and, and right now we're banging it. We certainly are, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoy the next week of three massive games. And we will be back between now and the end of the month with those two special podcasts that I've mentioned, as well as our next one uh, prior to the next international break. Don't miss out on it. Subscribe, um, like however it is that you get your podcasts make sure you subscribe to us you'll get notification when those podcasts drop and we'll see you prior to the Millwall game for the next full podcast thanks for listening everyone and come on you hatters